Please be seated. And as you take your seat, if you would uh, turn in your copies of God's Word to Numbers chapter 6, and uh, I'm going to mix things up a little bit on you, not only Numbers chapter 6, but would you also turn to Matthew 17, so we'll read both of these portions of God's Word, Numbers 6, as listed in the bulletin, and then Matthew 17, that we read in part in our call to worship. Um, as far as mixing it up with the bulletin is concerned, if you return uh, this evening, uh, we'll be doing that uh, in mass this evening. We'll be mixing it up entirely, so everything listed in the evening bulletin is wrong, uh, but that's okay. We'll, be, uh, we'll keep you on your toes a bit. But um, Well, let's give attention to God's most holy word. I'm going to read Numbers 6, verses 22 through 27, and then we'll just flip right over to Matthew 17 uh, and hear that. Our main focus this morning is Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. And flipping over to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. And this ends the reading of God's word this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessing upon it. Father in heaven, how we thank you for your cohesive testaments as we examine from old to new, as we stand on this side of the cross. Father, how we are thankful for uh, these robust pictures of the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ to his people, either looking ahead from number six or looking back from where we stand. And even as we consider the transfiguration 
before the Son of Man suffered and before He was raised, that picture of what was to come that now is. Father, how we thank You for these pictures of Christ. May we see Him not only in the Scriptures, but may we hear Him this day. So, Father, please, as Elder Man has already prayed, would You give us ears to hear. And, Father, would You give us hearts to understand, and may we perceive the Lord Jesus Christ this day. That's in His name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, as I survey the congregation, there is a variety of generations here. And I think that there is one thing that, that stands across all of the generations that, that we've had the experience of, uh, that, that we've all seen an episode of Looney Tunes. I think that that's safe to say. Uh, that cartoon created in the 1930s, uh, even the oldest of us uh, are familiar and the youngest, all the way down to, to my six-year-old daughter. She knows who uh, Bugs Bunny is, of course. We, we know that this cartoon spans uh, the generations. We're familiar with Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd and Foghorn Leghorn and, of course, the Roadrunner and Coyote. But at the end of every one of the episodes, there's, there's something that, that ties them all together. There's this drum in the center of the screen, and Looney Tune is written... Looney Tune, singular, ironically. But anyway, uh, and out through this drum pops the stuttering Porky Pig, right? And he puts his arm up in a benedictory fashion, and he just waves over the viewers in that stuttering way. That, 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 that's all, folks. Right? And that concludes the episode of Looney Tunes. We've, we've all seen this, right? And there is a sense in which when we get to the end of a worship service, that we believe the benediction is kind of like that stuttering, that's all folks. Those phrases that we hear week in and week out, it's tried and true, and our ears kind of tune out, and we just hear the same old phrases again and again. It's like the divine conclusion of a service. That's all folks. Now let's go back to our day-to-day -day lives. Let's go back to our weeks. But I trust that as we unpack Numbers chapter 6, that great ironic blessing, those phrases that we hear regularly in the benediction at the end of the service, we will see it as far from formulaic. And it is blessing his people here. Notice that this is, this is not a, a prayer. It's not the priests invoking the name of God. God, would you be so kind as to bless the people? That's not how it's phrased. It is God instructing the priests how they are to bless the people with his blessing. And, and notice what it says there in verse 23. Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them. So it's, it's mediated through this human agency as it is being placed upon the people. But it's not just a duty, and it's not just God placing his, his blessing upon the people. This is also a recounting, if you will, a summary of the covenant benefits that God bestowed to His old covenant people. It's, it's, in effect, a summation of what comes before this point in the old covenant. You see, that Son of God, as Luke refers to Adam, uh, the Son of God, Adam, had the blessing of walking with God face to face. He had the blessing of enjoying the countenance of the Lord turned upon him. He enjoyed the peace of God in the garden before he lost it uh, with his disobedience and lost it for all of his posterity. 
But then the blessing uh, was promised once again to Abraham and all of his descendants. And, and then we begin to see a lineage of, of faithful fathers, if you will, pronouncing blessing upon their sons, especially their firstborn sons. And it's this handing down of this great blessing of the covenant. And unless you know, one of the patriarchs is maybe a little bit old and like crosses his arms and blesses the firstborn or the, the, the um, secondborn with the firstborn's blessing. And you know who I'm referring to, of course, when, when Jacob blesses uh, the younger son with Ephraim's blessing. And Joseph's like, no, 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 dad, you got it wrong. No, no, he got it right. Uh, or unless, of course, you have the other exception of the firstborn son being cheated out of uh, his birthright for a really disappointing cup of stew. But anyway, there's a robust heritage of blessing being passed down, that covenantal blessing being passed down from one generation to the next. And what is it that is being said? The Lord bless you. It's a promise that he will surely do it. This is what the Lord is committed to as he is pronouncing this covenantal blessing upon his people. In our day and age, we hear that phrase, the Lord bless you, or, or bless you, or maybe it even gets condensed, bless you, like a single word, right? When people sneeze and it's kind of this trivial thing that's just thrown out, like, I hope you stay healthy, like you're, you're sneezing, I hope you're not getting sick, I hope you're not going to die, or something like that. Or the Lord bless you as though it's just this parting, uh, be happy, be well. It is far more than that. It is the Lord favor you according to his covenantal promises. The Lord favor you according to his purposes. This is divine favor be upon you. May it rest upon you. And then secondly, keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord do not lose you. You see, the Lord will not let us go. He will not allow his people to be thrown alive into the lake of fire. He will not lose a single one, save the son of perdition, as was prophesied. No, no. The Lord is Israel's keeper. The Lord keeps covenant with his people. The Lord defends and protects and cares for, maintains and retains his sheep. He will never allow a single one of them to stumble to the point of being lost. Because you and I both know, friends, if we could stumble ourselves to the point of being lost, we would have already done it 10,000 and 10,000 times over, if we could. No, no, the Lord keep you. He will surely do it. He will keep everyone who are truly His. And the Lord make His face to shine upon you, oh, to behold the Lord face to face. Who has beheld the, the face of the Lord uh, face to face? Well, we know Moses saw the back of the Lord as, as the Lord was passing by. And do you recall what happened even seeing the back of the Lord? That he had to veil himself because uh, his very face shone with the glory of the Lord. That was how radiant it was even to see the back of God. And here we are saying, the Lord reveal himself and show forth his glory to you. 
His faces, His very presence. Oh, that we would talk to people face to face. We know that there's that fellowship, there's that communion, that uh, to look people full in the eye and to, to have a conversation with them. There is relationship there. And that is the picture depicted here. The Lord shine upon you. The Lord take pleasure in you and delight in you, His children. As Zephaniah says it, as the Lord sings over his children, or as we'll sing after the Lord's Supper, Psalm 67, Selection C speaks of it as the the sun shining uh, across the course of the earth. It's that blessing that is brought. It is that delight that the Lord is describing himself here, the Lord delight in his people. Friends, in a day and age where people care so much what others think of them, likes and retweets and shares and all kinds of ways that we feel the reputation of others delighting in what we have said or done, isn't an amazing thing to consider what God thinks of us. Uh, The honor and the glory that we have before the face of God as opposed to the face of men. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Grace is one of those things that that we hear so often in the church that we kind of forget what grace is. We think of it as just kind of like God's goodness, general goodness, if you will. But grace is always undeserved blessing in light of demerit. It's not just blessing. Oh, I got something good. I got something nice. I, I didn't deserve that. I didn't know that was coming. No, no. It's blessing in light of demerit, that we've actually earned the exact opposite. We've earned curse and death and damnation, and God in His grace extends to us this undeserved benefit. And the Lord lift His countenance upon you. Countenance. It's not a word that we use in 21st century parlance. Like you, you probably have not said that very much this week. When you were at camp, you probably weren't throwing around the word uh, countenance. This just doesn't fall into our vernacular so much, right? But if you could imagine with me for a moment being in conflict with someone. I, I know that this is a stretch of the imagination. I know you're never in conflict with someone. But if you can imagine that with me, you know what it is to have your countenance turned away from someone. You dread if they are going to show up, what are you going to say to them? How are you going to look them in the eye if they talk to you, right? You, you know this experience of being unreconciled. It's, it's hard to interact with them. You want to turn your face away. And so what is being said here is the Lord lovingly be reconciled with you. Have communion and fellowship with you that you would delight in that union that you experience with your God And as the Lord turns his loving attention upon Israel, uh, he has chosen this nation among all other nations. And so it's very significant then that that blessing of the Lord's countenance being turned upon Israel in Psalm 67, again, that we will sing after the Lord's Supper, that is being extended to all the nations and has been extended to us. That we who the Lord had turned away from, if you will, (laughs) Uh, that the gospel had not gone gone to the nations. Now his countenance is turned toward us.
And for a time, the Lord has turned his face away from Israel, that they would be hardened, that the fullness of the Gentiles would be brought in. And then finally, and the Lord give you peace that you would enjoy rest and that the Lord would prosper that you, that you would enjoy the well-being of the Lord. But this, the Lord give you peace. Is this not covenant language, friends? That now, in light of the covenant, we who were at enmity with God now have found peace with God, (laughs) that God has brought us together, two parties that were once not at peace but are now uh, at peace because of what God has done. And isn't it interesting that God describes himself as the God of peace? Or the Christ is referred to as the Prince of Peace? Or again, elsewhere, we see that God is spoken of as the God of all comfort and peace. Again, these are the covenantal blessings given to God's covenant people. And then verse 27, And so shall they put my name upon all the people of Israel, and I will bless them. God is invoked, who is able to do it, who says that he he can do it, and he's saying that he will do it. And he's saying, by this blessing, put my name upon the Israelites. This is my stamp of blessing upon this people, that I am not ashamed to be called their God. I am not ashamed for them to be called my people. For that is what it means for God to place his name upon us. It's not a subservience. You're just my mere servants. No, no. I've placed my name upon you, my favor upon you. He's not making us wear a symbol of docile servitude, but it is, you are my favored ones. And it is an act that is producing the desired result as well. It is the blessing that is being pronounced. So friends, when you hear that blessing pronounced week in and week out, are you, as it were, on the edge of your seat as you listen to those words? I had a mentor who's now with the Lord. Some of you know George Scipione, but uh, he used to literally lean forward when the benediction was pronounced. And I saw him do this several times, and he would put his hands out like this, and he'd go like this. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring on the blessing, right? And for those of you who know Skip, you understand that's very much his personality. But friends, is that how we lean into this blessing? Lord, give it to me, please. Please give as you have promised. Or do we just kind of listen passively? (laughs) Friends, there are books written on how to listen to sermons. There are even books written on how to listen to bad sermons. Hopefully you're not enduring too much of that these days. But friends, if there are books written about how to listen to that element of worship, should we not be attentive to all the elements of worship, especially even as we have heard it unpacked, that final element of worship, week in and week out? But upon what basis, as we've unpacked that blessing, upon what basis can Israel receive this blessing? At this point in redemptive history, they've already uh, shown themselves to be disobedient, already shown themselves to be stubborn. And we will see uh, in the future, of course, as redemptive history unfolds, that they are are stiff-necked and that they will only enjoy the land of blessing for a short time and they will receive the curses of the covenants, not long-lived that they enjoy the blessing. So upon what basis can can the Father bless uh, Israel in this way? 
Well, friends, I trust you already know, but listen to the prophecy of Hosea chapter 11. That says this, Hosea 11.1, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. You see, God is willing to call Israel his son. That's a blessing of a father to a son, which we've already talked about, right? Uh, And that's hearkening back to Exodus chapter 4, when Moses shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn, so I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me, but if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son your firstborn son. And, and so we see this, this like contrast. There's the cursing of, of one son, the death and being cut off, that, that one son, that the other son might be saved and might be delivered. And these two passages, Hosea 11 and Exodus chapter 4, we know they don't find their ultimate fulfillment in Israel, the first son. But as Matthew chapter 2 tells us, it finds its fulfillment in the last son. <laughs> when Joseph arose, this is Matthew chapter 2, 14 and 15. When Joseph arose, he took the young child, that is Jesus, and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. You see, it was never about Israel earning this blessing. It was never about Israel maintaining this blessing. It was never about Israel as the son who deserves and merits this blessing. It was always pointing forward, not to the first Israel, but to the true Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, the true son. You see, first Israel failed. He was not an obedient son. He was a type and shadow of the true son, the true Israel. And that's what's so wonderful when we get to the transfiguration that we read already, Matthew chapter 17. When we get to the uh, transfiguration, I don't know if you heard it, but there is the echo of the benediction, the ironic blessing pronounced upon the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord's face shone upon him. God's divine favor is on him and honor and glory is around about him and even being proclaimed upon him from the Father to the Son. We see this is the one who earns the blessing. And why is it? Why is this son the one who earns the blessing? That's revealed in what Jesus was talking with Elijah and Moses about. Wouldn't you have loved to have been privy to that conversation? You love to be there. What, what do um, glorified saints talk to the transfigured Christ about? It's a picture of what we will enjoy in the future as we get to talk with Christ face to face. What do they talk about? Well, Luke's gospel tells us they talked about the exodus that Christ was about to accomplish in Jerusalem, the death of Christ that he was about to accomplish. And uh, the transfiguration is bookended by uh, the declaration by Peter that he is the Christ and Christ foretells his death. And uh, they're like, no, no, we don't like this this picture of the Messiah. We want the victorious uh, Messiah, not the dying Messiah. And as they come down the mountain from the transfiguration, Jesus is talking about, hey, don't speak about this until the Son of God is raised from the dead. They just kind of ignore that. Let's not talk about that. Uh, And then they hear about Elijah, who suffered at the hands of men, and he says again, the Son of Man has to suffer. You see, the reason this true Son has earned the blessing that He gives to us is because he perfectly obeyed the Father's will, even to the point of death. John 10, 17 says that the Father 
loves the Son because I lay down my life. The perfect obedience to the Father, even to the point of death on the cross. When Peter sees the glory and then the enjoyment up on the mountain, he wants to stay there. But let's, let's keep this, this blessing. Let's keep this glory, right? Let's pitch some tents. Wonderful Peter, impetuous Peter. We can identify with Peter. We wouldn't have known what to say in that moment either. We yeah, let's pitch some tents. This is great, right? But it's not until after Christ dies that he receives the full glory that he has earned, right? This transfiguration is a foretaste. The blessed son's blessing that he earns by his full obedience. Friends, if we take the ironic blessing and we flip it on its head and make it the ironic cursing, that's exactly what you and I have earned. We deserve the Lord to curse us and to forsake us and to turn his face away from us and to be wrathful toward us and that his countenance would be away from us and that he would give us no peace. We have not earned and we do not deserve the ironic blessing. Christ earned by his obedience, even to the point of death on the cross, the blessing that is pronounced upon the people. And when Christ hung between heaven and earth, he took the ironic curse upon himself. The Lord cursed him and forsook him, and the Lord turned his face away from him and was wrathful to him, and the Lord's countenance was downcast and displeased with him, and the Lord gave him no peace that he might extend to you the blessing that he earned. And after Christ is raised... And he receives all power and authority in heaven and on earth. He takes his followers out as far as Bethany. It says in Luke 24, verse 50, And lifting up his hands <laughs> in that benedictory fashion, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. He's giving to his people the blessing that he earned for them as he took our curse, and as he ascends into heaven, it's as though he is continuing that blessing as he ascends on high and as he is enthroned over his people. He merited the blessing, and he is pronouncing it upon his followers. You see that blessing, that ironic blessing, is only deserved if we walk in perfect holiness. All other states deserve ironic cursing. And yet now, week after week, as it is pronounced upon you, that blessed Son is blessing His people through human instruments. And as the pastor lifts his stained hands, because no pastor has pure hands to truly pronounce that perfect blessing upon his people. As you see the pastor's sin-stained hands, if you will, remember the nail-pierced hands, that that blessing cost Christ for you to receive. And remember that that blessing is certain. It is a proclamation of your salvation and your certain blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just hopeful, I hope this week will be blessed. No. It is certain in the Lord Jesus Christ that is pronounced upon His children, His believers, those who are in covenant by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what you deserve because of Christ's merits. And friends, I am so thankful this morning that I get to exhibit to you the 
elements of bread and the cup, because those also are that same picture of the cost to Christ, His body broken and His blood shed, and His blessing that He freely gives to you, a feast, a banquet, and the merriment of wine. That is the picture in the supper, and that is the picture in the blessing week after week. What Christ took for you and what Christ has earned for you. So friends, when you hear that benediction week after week, would you sit forward? Lord, bring on the blessing because Christ gives you his blessing. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, how we thank you for the blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are those unrighteous ones, those vile men that we sang about in Psalm 34. That's what we deserve, for your face to be turned upon us in judgment and wrath. But thanks be to God. The Lord Jesus Christ has earned his blessing and freely given it to us. Father, not one of us in this room deserves it. But how we thank you that the Lord Jesus freely gives it. Father, thank you that we have received it, happily received it by faith. And Father, would we continue to attend to that blessing week after week and be thankful for what it cost Christ and how he graciously bestows it to all his elect. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.